this morning I've asked Blake Livingood. Blake's been coming here. He he used to go to the Mandarin group. He went to India with me and um, did a great job over there. And I asked Blake to come and share today about the wheat and the tares. Blake is a guy, he's walked through a humbling process, and I'm not sure how much of that he's going to give you, but I know this. I've been around Blake now for four or five years, watched him in a lot of different settings. He has a heart for the Lord, and I've watched him weather things that I've seen other guys go through, and they, they said, okay, I'm out of here, and he didn't. And that speaks a lot to me, because it's easy to say I love Jesus when everything works out in your life. It's a lot tougher when the rug gets pulled out from under you, not once, not twice, but multiple times. And so I asked him to come and share today on, on this passage. And uh, Blake, he's a karate guy too, an instructor, so if you mess up, he's going to whack you. Uh, Blake living good. He's a funny guy, isn't he? Uh, you know, when Doug, thank you, buddy, I appreciate it. Uh, when he asked me, um, can you leave this? Up? No, you can leave it right there. When he asked me to come and share today, I uh, I was a little hesitant, I guess, because, um, I mean, look at this group. I mean, you guys have, just by nature of time, far more life experience than I have. Um, been walking with the Lord. Yeah, what are you saying? Are you saying? <laughs> Being honest, man. That, hey, that, that, that is one Way thing. Way to go, Blake. Hey. You start off in salt. No, not at all. In fact, I say that. I know y'all are getting a good laugh out of that, but I, I say that with uh, with a hundred percent respect. I just don't feel like I am. Uh, I don't feel like I. I mean, I just can't believe he. I mean, I don't belong up here, in my opinion. Um, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, but this passage that we're going to look at is very sombering. Um, as I read it and tried to study and prepare for it, um, I was thinking back even to last week when Doug was going over the previous parable in Matthew 13 um, about sowing the seed of the word of God and uh, I don't know where you, I was sitting over there probably where you are and um, and he was going through the different the grounds the stony ground right and as he was going through the different grounds I'm sitting here and Doug said well we've all been there and it was a little a bit of a wake-up call to me because I've had those moments in my life where I, when I look at scripture it you can't you can't read this book except it reading you. It's like a mirror. Is that true? It calls itself a mirror. And um, as you read it, and I'm looking into it, and it's reading me, and I'm like, I've been there. I've I've felt like the stony ground before. I've had that happen. And as you go through, there's only one good ground though, right? So to me, that's a wake up call. Um, so Second Corinthians thirteen five says that we should examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. And that is the, really the principle of this parable that we're getting ready to read. You guys know I've passed out a bunch of uh, little pieces of paper um, and asked you because I don't necessarily really like the sound of my voice. I'm from North Carolina, uh, a redneck from North Carolina, um, grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my mom, you guys know, recently passed away. Uh, she, uh, I'll just show you guys a picture of her. By the way, Blake is a carpenter, and he built his mom's casket. Now, how cool is that? <laughs> but it was a um, it was a labor of love, you know, and um, but she lived it, man. She just my mom was um, the kind of person. She's probably the, she's the greatest 
human being that I've known on this earth. She lived out the gospel. I mean, she lived every day. She uh, given given people the gospel everywhere she goes, just through her life, not necessarily through her words. And she did that too. But she was so generous. Just the spending of herself, just like Christ. I mean, look at we look at Christ and see how he was, and constantly is seeking out people and to bless them and and then to lovingly warn them and to but she was just uh an incredible godly woman and so i thank god for her life and her influence on me as uh it's very powerful so as we look at this parable the matthew 13 starting in verse 24 and i'm going to hit on a couple things that doug's already talked about this morning the tares Based on my study, and I could be wrong about this, but I think the scripture does imply that tares are speaking specifically when we read what the Lord's talking about here in a minute. Tares are individuals who will never be saved. We'll look at that. That's not my opinion. Nobody cares what I think. I don't. I couldn't agree more with that statement. But what does the Lord say? And I think in His Word we can actually take a look at certain references of Scripture and look and see exactly what He's talking about. So. <coughs> We'll start out at Matthew 13 and verse 24. I'll read this one initially, but then I'm going to go through, like I said, I'm going to call on several of you guys to help me with this. Because um, I definitely have asked the Lord for His help and to speak through me. Um, Matthew 13, verse 24. Another parable put He forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. <laughs> but while men slept... His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? From whence then has it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay. Lest while you gathered up the tares, you root up the wheat also with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say unto the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. And I'm going to skip down to verse 36 just briefly. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. And he said unto them, He that soweth this good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares, check this, the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Wow. Um, so, <laughs> there is so much here. Um, over the past week and a half, or ever since you've asked me, Doug, I've been going through this and uh, <coughs> looking at the details that are inside this parable and what the Lord's saying. 
And then if you look at the first parable that we looked at last week that Doug went through, there are some comparisons, but if you look at it, the only really the similarities are that they pertain to the language that's used in the parables because they have completely different meanings. Uh, For example, the seed in the first parable, if you go back, is actually the word of God. 13 verse 20, if you want to read that real quick. But he that receiveth the seed of the stony places, the same is one that hears the word. And he goes down through, and in verse 21, he says the word, and here's the word. So the word is the word of God. That's the first parable's seed. But if you look at the parable of the wheat and tares, the one I just went, got through reading, the seed are, the, are actually the children of the kingdom. That's the believers. That's, that's us. That's the, so he's talking about sowing. His, God's going to build his church. And if we look at what he's talking about in this parable, the seed are clearly the children of the kingdom. But what we also see is that there are a certain, and this is what I was hitting on a minute ago, is that when Christ speaks in this parable about the tares, he's not talking necessarily about the unsaved in general. How do I know that? Well, how many different churches are we represented here, Doug, would you say today? Oh, my. Probably a bunch. Uh, I go to 1122. Anybody else in here go to 1122 on San Pablo? Okay. Uh, probably, probably 10, 10, 10, 15 different churches, right? But yet we're all here, we're all... There's not going to be denominations in, in heaven. That's going to go. That's, <laughs> praise God. That's going to go by the wayside. We're either regenerate. We've either been saved by the blood and grace of God, or we haven't. So I said that to say this: God's building His church in all areas of the world, and the uh, the importance of that is that He's uh, He's the one doing the work. It's not us. It's Christ doing the work. But there's also an enemy. So let's check. On verse uh, 25, but while men slept, his enemy. So, <coughs> clearly, Christ has an enemy. We have an enemy. And we'll get into that a little bit more later. But if we back up also into the parable of the one prior to this, because he's asking them about or the disciples are asking Christ about explain to us the parable of the, the sower. And in another location, he talks about that the guys that, he says, you know, to you it's been given to hear, but to them it's not. It's not been given to them. You, they see, but, but they have eyes, but, with that, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. I think that's a reference specifically to the children of the devil that he just got through mentioning in the verses that we just got through reading. So, as we have these churches that God's planting everywhere, or it's all over Jacksonville or all over the world, there's a lot of people that come into, come into church, right? And they are unsaved at the time. But then they hear the word of God, and some of them become regenerate. Some of them actually become saved by God's grace, just like we have. It's God doing the work. But he's referring here, <laughs> he's referring here to the children of the devil, me, I think that again, the tares are not necessarily the generally unsaved. He's talking about a very specific group that Satan himself that himself uses to go back over the ground, the same exact ground that Christ is growing his church. It says in verse twenty-five again, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and he went his way. Right. 
So I think it's very specific to that. So let's look at the, the sowing of the tares. I think first and foremost, you've got to notice that it's a deliberate agenda. Satan has an agenda, and it's to oppose the work of Christ. It doesn't matter where we are or what we're doing and what Christ is doing. Satan is absolutely opposed to the work of Christ. And if you look at it, I think it's an not only that, it's in an antagonistic nature. It says in verse 20, uh, yeah, verse, same verse, verse 25, his enemy came. So it's an antagonistic type thing. Christ has an enemy, it's Satan. And because Satan opposes Christ, he opposes us and everything that we're going to do as well. So there is no authentic, I wrote in my notes, there's no authentic work of Christ that will not always be opposed by Satan. He will always, until the end of time, he will continue to fight and fight against the work of Christ. Um, and we need to realize that as believers and be on the lookout for it. Uh, a couple of verses that God was putting in my heart just a second ago is, you know, Matthew 7, 1. It says, judge not lest you be judged, right? Here's the thing with that, though. I think that's referring specifically to the heart. We are commanded to judge actions. That's why we have a judicial system in place, right? But I think what Christ is referring to in Matthew 7, 1 is don't judge the heart. I can't look at you and say, I know why you did that. Only God knows why. I can't judge. I can't see your heart. Don't, and I think when Matthew 7, 1, he's saying, judge not lest you be judged. But so as we're reading this parable, though, it, it, it almost implies that Christ is have, telling us to have a lookout. You guys should be expecting these things. Satan is at work, and he's actually sowing children of his into the same exact ground, into the churches of Christ. And so as we look at that, I want to get more specific with it. Um, let's turn with me. Who has Revelation 12, 1? I have it. Ronnie. Love it, Ronnie. Please, uh, so you guys, yep, just give me your name, okay. give me the reference, and then read uh, Revelation 12, 1. All right, I'm coming from King James Version uh, 12, 1-4. Yes. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon <coughs> under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars, and she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Hmm. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven, having seven <coughs> heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for the devour of her child as soon as it was born. So that's, a, that's just an example, right, of Satan opposing the work of God. If you look at that, many scholars believe when it says he drew a third of the stars with him from heaven, and Christ refers to it in another couple of references, maybe they'll come to me here in a second, um, where he saw, he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Okay, it, I think that's referring to scholars say that he drew a third of the angels with him. So what we're looking at here, though, is obviously the woman is not a reference to a, necessarily Mary. It's to the Jewish nation. And Christ was, when he was, the Messiah was coming forth, what happened? Y'all remember the story, right? What did Satan do? Through Herod, he had him <laughs> kill all children two years and under which is, I can't even fathom that. 
he's opposed to that work. And then if you look in verse 5, it says, She brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to His throne. What? It's like in one verse, like in the same breath, it goes from the birth straight to the ascension, right? So since Satan cannot now access Christ Himself, He's accessing the church. He's going after us. So that's the first example of what I was going to refer to in, in that. Um, let's look at Genesis 3.1. While somebody, who has that one? Thank you, Roy. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So the dissemination of the tares is also, Satan is very subtle. It says right there in that scripture, my version actually uses the word subtle. The point is, though, is that Satan does this very subtly. The Bible talks about his wiles. It talks about his devices. It talks about his deceptive actions and his deceptive, his heart. And also, so as you look at this intentional sowing of these tares by Satan, look at, here's one of the things that jumped off the page to me. Notice the period of when he does it. He he does it working. He does his work under the cover of darkness, while men slept. Typically, we sleep at night. night. He does his work under the cover of darkness, when we're not necessarily paying attention. Now, I don't know how to even go here on the church, Doug. Maybe you got some input, and you guys can say something as well. I mean, it says while men slept. I'm, to me, I think that's specifically referring to the church, men in the church. It, it, it almost implies that we're not paying attention. Um, that's a little bit of a rebuke, I think, from the Lord. Like one uh, of the things in, in my version of the Bible here, it's, it doesn't use the word uh, tares. It uses the word darnell. Okay. Tares, and, it's, uh, and, a, and the reference says that the, the Greek word used here refers to a kind of weed that resembles wheat until both reach maturity. We're going to get to that, brother. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. I don't know if you guys can see this picture very well or not. The one on your left is a tear. The one on the right is a weed. And I had I started to get one blown up so you could see it. You know, hold it, hold it up in here. But if you look at those two, you're exactly right. Especially when it's young, when it's first getting started, when the when the wheat is coming up and the darnell, that's what that is, the tear, it's, it's what it is. It's a, they call it in Jewish culture, they actually call it bastard wheat. But it grows up in its initial stages, in initial growth stages. You cannot look at them until you can't tell them apart. But as the fruit comes out, I'm getting ready to get to that here in a second, you can see it, and you can see a difference. What else do you notice about the wheat on this picture? Can y'all see that okay back there? I'm sorry. I want you all to be able to get a look at it. You see it? On the left is the tear. On the right is the wheat. You see that? What do y'all notice about the wheat? It's bowing. The wheat is moving away from the tear. Say it again. It's bowing. We all know, being a bunch of wretched, black-hearted sinners, where we came from. I know I have. That's me. I'll raise two hands on that. Uh, who produces the fruit in our life? Us? God does. And we realize that as saved individuals, right? And we know, so in humility, when the fruit comes, we, we bow in humility, submitting and acknowledging that it's God doing the work in our hearts, not us. But what's the tear doing? What do y'all see the tear doing? Straight up. Straight up. In pride, standing straight up. 
Christ just got through saying they're going to get wrapped up in bundles and they're going to get thrown in the fire. Um, so we'll keep moving. <clears throat> also, I want you guys to notice that his, his actions are deliberate. He's opportunistic. Satan is not... He's not going to come out and make it obvious. I don't think he's going to actually take an approach where he's like, look here, I'm going to plant my tares, the children of the devil. It's going to plant them into the churches around the world in an obvious way. He's taking opportunistic. He's doing it when people are not paying attention, when the church might be careless. And this may be the heart of the matter. And I wrote this down. He's doing it in a way when he cannot be detected. If you notice what happens, it says that the enemy, and when men slept, he came and he sowed the seed, and then he went his way. Was it successful? In an evil way, but yeah, Satan is successful in still being able to sow tares into Christ's church. That's scary, isn't it? God, God help us. We need to have discernment. We need to have our eyes open. We need to be paying attention to what's going on in the church. So that we, so that we can make the discernment. Because early on, when the wheat and the tares are both in the first stages of growth, the fruit hasn't come yet. You can't tell. So as we look, and when the fruit does come forth, though, then that's when they were able to see the difference between the two. Like, I yeah. want to say something. Yeah, definitely. And all these parables after this first one, it says, uh, "The kingdom of heaven may be compared to, or the kingdom of the heaven might be like." And if you remember in Mark chapter four. It says that Jesus says to disciples, if you don't understand the one about the soils, you're not going to understand the other ones. And what he's saying is there's four types of soils, and and if you don't understand, there's going to be different responses to the gospel, and they're going to look, some of them are going to look alike. You know, they're going to look just like the real thing. Uh, it's that parable is first for a reason before all these other ones. As I was reading this too, it's kind of cool that the Lord allowed uh, Matthew in this particular situation and also in some of the other Gospels where they actually went to Christ and they asked Him, Lord, we don't understand. Can you, can you expound on this parable that you just got through telling us? That, that makes me feel better. Does that make y'all feel better? Because <laughs> we don't have to guess at what it is. He tells us. Thank God. that He, he breaks it down. He tells us exactly what He means by it. Um, and that is just, to me, that's just a gift. So, but the heart of the matter, like I said, is that Satan's going to come when he's not being detected. So we have to have discernment. God help us. Give us, fill us with his Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear to have the discernment while we're in our churches of where are these people and who they are. Uh, are we supposed to judge their heart? We just got to talking about Matthew 7 1. We don't, we can't, only God can judge that. But it, in time, based on the fruit, uh, and there's a lot of scriptures we just don't have time to do. I'm going to have to hurry up. Wow, that went fast. Um, so who has Second Peter 2, 1? I do. Thank you, Dave. Go ahead, brother. All right, this is from the New King James, Second Peter 2, 1. There were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. Did y'all hear that? Denying the Lord. That is the fruit of Satan. That is the, that's one of the main keys. If you want to write something down, write that down. That'll be the one thing that we'll be able to know is the re outright rejection of the deity 
and the blood of Christ. That that is the satanic. That is the that is the root of Satan. He he, he will deny the Lord Jesus has come in the flesh. That's what First John four says. The tares they never will be saved, and they're going to deny that Christ has come in the flesh. That's what Scripture says. That's the fruit of Satan. So that's one way we know who has Jude four. That's right, John. Okay. Oh, this is um, from the NIV. Okay. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Again, there it is. That's the denial. I'm just going through giving a couple examples of Scripture where Scripture says, like I said, it doesn't matter what Blake thinks or says other unless I'm reading this book. That's it. My version says in the King James in verse 4, Jude, for there are certain men crept in unawares, check this, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. And that, that's what I'm talking about. The tares are not necessarily the unsaved in general, Scripture speaks, and I think the Lord speaks of tares as children of the devil. They will never be saved. That's God's word. Who has Acts 20, 29 and 30? I do. Joe Bryant. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw disciples away from you or after them. So, again, another example. Um, Satan's activity is very deliberate. It's under the cover of darkness. It's subtle. It is uh, <clears throat> when people aren't paying attention. And it's, he's opportunistic. He's looking for those opportunities, seeking whom he may devour. John 10.10 10 says he comes to what? Three things. You got it. That's it. So this stuff is not new. Even back in Paul's day, it's what he's talking about. These guys, it's not new. It's been around. It's always going to be around to the end of time. Satan is going to oppose the work of Christ. Um, who has 2 Corinthians 11, 13, and 14? I do. John Perry, um, New King James Version. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Wow. And no wonder, exclamation. Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. We could look at this all day. We don't have time, but even in Daniel 9, uh, and we can look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, talking about the man of sin. Satan wants to be God. That's why he was cast out of heaven in pride. He wants to put himself in the place where he wants to be worshipped. And these scriptures that we just got through going over are exactly, they're just good examples of that. Uh, I also wanted to point out that nobody knew at the time, if you look at the parable, it, it doesn't appear that nobody knew at the time that it had been done. Because the servants came to them and said, came to the, the man of the household, right? And said, Lord, didn't you, you, you sowed good seed, right? Well, how come we got tares popping up in, in the church or whatever? So it didn't appear that, it, that they even knew that it had happened. Um, and it just, again, it's just, Satan's going to go over the exact same ground as Christ goes over with a very deliberate action. Uh, and what's scary is that Satan is able to make them look like 
we look at the, the wheat and the tares, like I said, in the early growth stages, you can't tell the difference. That's what's scary to me is that he's able to make them look like the genuine article. That's, um, that's extremely concerning. <clears throat> um, and it's among the visible church. It's also, uh, well, I'm just I'm about almost out of time. I don't know how you that's do crazy, it. It's crazy, isn't it? It is crazy, yeah. man. Well, um, you know, Blake, there's, there's people that are leading churches that you would listen to and hear and think, wow, they're awesome. But there's a lot of things in their life that doesn't match up to mm-hmm. what we read here. Now, I think that these tears are in, and like you, Joe read, and some of these others, they're in the church. Yeah. And, and, and one pastor in this city told a congregant that I heard from yesterday, said he went to his pastor and said, I don't, I don't understand how you got that out of that passage. And he said it in front of other people, and the pastor rebuked him later, said, don't ever question my teaching in front of other people. Now, that, that, that is just unbiblical. Paul, Amen. one of the greatest teachers of all science, said, be like the Bereans. You question my teaching. Everybody in this room can question me at any time about anything I say from Scripture, and I'm happy to sit and talk to you about it. I want you to do that. That's right. I have, I have no problem with you doing it, and I'll dialogue back and forth with you. And any man that is not strong enough to allow you to sit there and dialogue with you about Scripture, I don't know if I'd be following it, to be honest with you. Well, because this, this book, um, this, is, this is God's Word. It has been protected through time. I went, when I went to Doug, apologetics is one of my favorite things. I love that. I love that about um, the evidences that God has given us to defend our faith. And this, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture, all, I've got that circled in my Bible, all Scripture is God-breathed, it's given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And if we read this book, that's why I like to have... Y'all read all these different scriptures, right? I like to let scripture interpret itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scripture brings light to itself. God doesn't need us. He doesn't need our help at all. Scripture brings itself to light, and it is, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that teaches us. And so um, being full of discernment, God help us to uh, see these things in the church, um, to be aware not be judgmental, Matthew 7, 1, but to be paying attention and to be looking out for the activity and the work of Satan. He hates Christ. And because he cannot access him, guess who he's going to try to get? Because he can't access us to a degree, whatever God allows. But um, that's in Job. But um, now I appreciate you guys being willing to listen to my redneck voice uh, I try to hide my accent but I just quit I, I decided to just quit it's just a waste of time but um Doug would you close us in yeah, prayer brother yeah, anybody yeah. else have anything else you want to add or say or quit I mean else somebody, I mean David yeah hang on Doug one second as you were talking I was thinking about something I heard in India where you've been as well
second act is like a cobra that comes up through the drain pipe of the, of, of the bathroom and coils himself in the bathroom and you know that's pride and that's that's what's happening in the western church we're not suffering an attack from the tiger we're suffering an attack from the cobra and we don't even realize it and that's that's borne out here in this week of tears and, and, and what we've got to do is like you said you know be discerning and, 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 and understand that that's that's the attack and it's just as much if not more of a, of a subtle satanic attack as, as, as the tiger is the tears are there and and the point of this whole parable is Jesus is laying out guys the enemies at work and 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 it's not our job to go and tear down the the tears yeah it's our job he says that's the angel's job because he explains who the reapers are <clears throat> Because the people say, should we go and do this, get these, gather them up? And he says, no, you don't do that. Let them grow. What's our role? To be witnesses for Jesus Christ. And there's two little parables stuck right in the middle of this. And Matthew has purpose in everything, right? He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. This little mustard, I have one. I started to bring them today. That thing is so tiny, it's like less than a BB. He says it starts off like that and it grows big. Or it's like leaven that starts, you know, off and it grows the, the big the bread big. And what he's saying is the gospel starts small. Jesus was never about the big crowds. This is why, and, and listen, I'm just gonna tell you, understand, if you go to a large church, there's nothing wrong with that. But understand, in a huge church like that, masses are fickle. They always have been. There's a lot of superficial that worship in big churches. I've been in lots of them. Why do you think they have coffee bars and, and it looks like you walk into a mall at some of these things? I mean, that, it's not because they're appealing to things that make people or consumers. And, 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 you know, God uses it in spite of us. But I'm just saying that you need to understand that especially when you get in those big realms like that, there's a lot of tears mixed in and it can be very destructive to your own faith. Because you go, well, I thought he was a believer. I walked with a guy for 20 years who said I'm a believer who just did devastating damage not only to his wife and kids but to a lot of people in the church. So those tears are going to be there. Just understand, it's a lot less likely in a smaller setting for you to have a lot of tears. Why? Because they stick out really quick. But see, they can be very much a part of a big church and you hardly ever know. So just understand that. Jesus is telling this for a reason. That the tears are there and the enemy sows them. And it's not our job to deal with them. Our job is simply to be witnesses and to cultivate and make disciples. He sticks that right in there because, see, remember, what did the Jewish people want with Jesus initially? They wanted a master, They wanted somebody who's going to come in and kick Rome out. They wanted something big because it couldn't be small and kick Rome out. And he's saying it starts small, but it's going to grow. And did it? Yes. It's impacted the world. And so as we go out, the takeaway for us as we leave is, one, 
like Blake said at the very beginning, examine our own hearts. Examine ourselves to see if we're inward. Never stop doing that. It's not wrong with doing an inward inspection on that. And the second thing is, be a witness. Be a witness and go out and plant the seeds. Let God use you to be a seed planter for the real the real wheat. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for Blake. And uh, I just thank you, Lord, for his willingness to, to be up in front of these guys. And it's a humbling task to open up your word and to allow you to speak through us in any capacity to try to explain your word. It's just a gift, but it's a calling. And I I just thank you, Lord, that he has a heart for you and for sharing your word. And thank you for letting him be here today. Thank you for each one of these men that they make time to come out. And I pray that you would take the word that was given today, plant it in their hearts, and let them go be your seed planters, Lord, of the gospel. Let them be your witnesses. Give us many opportunities. I pray that every man in here in the next week would have an opportunity to be a witness for you in some way, shape, or form. We love you. And we praise you and we give you all the glory. Amen.